Um, If you have your Bibles, go with me to Joshua chapter 6 and verse 1. And uh, when you read this scripture, now the gates of Jericho, when you think of Jericho, what comes to mind? Walls, right? Walls. Jericho, walls. We used to sing this song when I was little in children's church. Uh, I would go, Joshua fought the battle of Jericho, Jericho, Jericho. Joshua fought the battle of Jericho, and the walls came tumbling down. I know, I'm weird. I'm weird. I was raised in church. We have issues. But that was the, the song I, I remember, and, and whenever Jericho walls. And so uh, we hear the story of this man, Joshua, came to Jericho, and there were these huge physical boundaries up, these walls. And it was because they were um, after what was inside, and They were securely barred because of the Israelites, and no one went out and no one came in. And then the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have delivered Jericho into your hands. Joshua, in the Old Testament, his name means God's deliverer. And Joshua, in the Old Testament, was a foreshadowing of Jesus. Jesus is the ultimate deliverer. Jesus is the one uh, that Joshua was paving the way for, giving us a little glimpse of in the Old Testament. And then we see, uh, and you know the story, that Joshua uh, walked around the walls of Jericho, and on the seventh day they shouted with a loud voice, and the walls came down, and they were able to have victory. And that wasn't the end of Jericho, uh, because later on Jesus came to Jericho. Jesus came to Jericho not to tear down physical walls, but to tear down spiritual walls, to tear down walls of oppression, walls of separation that were facing the the people that were living in Jericho at the time. And uh, we read in Mark chapter 10, verse 46, it says, uh, Then they came to Jericho as Jesus and his disciples together with a large crowd were leaving the city. There was a blind man. This blind man, his name was Bartimaeus. We'll call him Bart for the rest of this sermon. Is that okay with you? Okay. So blind Bart, and he was the son of Timaeus, and he was sitting by the roadside begging. Sitting by the roadside begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And we could bring that Uh, wall out uh, right now. And uh, I've dealt with walls in my life. And a lot of times what a wall is meant to do is keep people out or keep people in. And if you go anywhere nowadays, you see a barrier. You see something that separates a lot of times us from where we want to be. Uh, for example, uh, recently, uh, Diamond and I, we, uh, we love to go to Jenkinson's in the summer. We go to the boardwalk like once every few weeks, and, and it, it's great. Kids love it. Uh, anyone love to take their kids to uh, 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 Jenkinson's? Anyone? Anyone? Used to be a family-friendly place. Now you got, you got to wear like a, you know, um, blindfold when you walk through Jenkinson's. Uh, you know, don't look at that, son. Don't look at that. Just, you know, straight ahead, all right? Uh, you know, we're going to the, uh, the, the, the rides. And so uh, we went to the rides, and uh, we, we love to uh, take our kids there. My son Judah, he, he's amazing. He's incredible. He's not afraid of anything, any um, um, ride. He goes on, like, the Joker, the Batman ride at Six Flags. He loves, you know, going on these roller coasters that go 100 feet in the air and flip you upside down. But it's amazing. But he won't go in the ocean, he won't set foot 
like in a by by a wave that is like a foot high. He's terrified of the water, but he'll be in the air, flipping upside down, no fear whatsoever. And uh, Lily not afraid of anything. And uh, this year, Lily was so excited because she was finally going to be able to go on all the rides at Jenkinson's. And so uh, they went on their uh, favorite ride. Uh, they were about to the uh, the swings. You know, you know the swings. Like a lot of fun. It's like a kid's dream to be able to go on the swings. And and so we get to the the, the swings at Jenkinson's Boardwalk. And they, uh, Judah steps up, and uh, he's like 53 inches tall or whatever. He's like good to go. He goes on in. He's got a happy face. And then Lily steps up. And Lily, God bless her, was like two centimeters short to go on the swings. And you should have seen the, the devastation that was on Lily's face when she had been dreaming of going on the swings all year. And now, finally, she's there, and she's just a little bit too short. And then like a good brother, Judah said, if my sister can't go on the swings, I'm not going to go on the swings either. He didn't do that. No, are you kidding me? He didn't do that. He went right on those swings, and he smiled at his sister's face the whole time. I mean, you would have done the same thing, right, if you were a little kid. You know, and, and so Lily was devastated. And what they did to her, I felt so bad, is they, they shut her behind the wall until next year, Lily. Anyone ever been shut behind a wall before and someone said to you, maybe you need to get a little taller. <laughs> maybe you need to grow up a little more. And, and, and we're put behind walls. We're barred. And I, I feel like that's... That's a case with, with us in, in life is so often there's things that the world will tell us aren't for you, that, that, that you're not tall enough, you're not strong enough, you're not, you, you're not mature enough, you're not smart enough, you're not talented enough, that, that you're, you're, you're going to have to face these walls that separate you from where you want to be in life and where your dreams are and, and where your hopes are. And, and so here's Jesus coming to Jericho. And in this time, Jericho didn't have physical walls that were guarding this city, but there were so many spiritual walls in this city at the time. It was a, a very segregated city that when you would walk the streets of Jericho, you would see the, the, the prosperous people. You would see the high priests who thought that they were better than everybody else. And then you had the rest of the city. You had the beggars. You had the ones that were branded as sinners. You had the ones that were branded as outcasts, the ones that were branded as, as less than human in a way. And, and Jericho was littered with these people that had been branded by society and and what happened back then and the same thing happens today unfortunately is when you receive that brand you are treated differently many times and a lot of times what we're branded on the outside with becomes uh, something on the inside that we begin to believe ourselves of ourselves and so now Jesus is on his way to Jericho and it says when he was on his way to Jericho blind Bart the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. And I, I read in, in my commentary uh, about this man, Timaeus. And scholars will tell you that blind Bart's father was also a blind beggar. And just go with me now with, with your imaginations of, of this man, Timaeus, the father. This father who was blind, this father who was a beggar, this father who was in poverty. And, and, and I'm sure at one time he had hope, not for himself, but for the next generation. 
that Timaeus believed that one day my son is not going to have to live the life that I am living today. And, and he, he was able to conceive a child and his wife uh, was pregnant and, and then she gave birth. And, and I, I believe that when that moment happened for Timaeus, finally hope came in his life where you ever finally have hope restored in your life? And things around you might not change, but you walk a little bit different. You, you carry your countenance a little bit different. I believe that's what happened with Timaeus when he realized that he had a, a, a beautiful, healthy baby boy that was going to be able to carry his family out of poverty. But then one day I, I could see in my mind that Timaeus came home and his wife was, was in tears. What's, what's, what's wrong, honey? Bart did it again. He he, he, he ran into the wall. His, his eyes don't look good. It seems like his eyes, eyesight is getting worse than it was before. And, and before you know it, they, they realize that Bart is, is just as blind as his father is. And his father, in that moment, hopes are gone. And in that moment, he realizes that his son is going to have to live the same exact life that he lived. And as the, the, the son gets older, the father begins to break the news to him. This is the life that you're going to have to live, Bart. You're going to be just like me. I'll teach you how to be a blind beggar. I'll teach you how to panhandle. I'll teach you the way of a beggar. And Bart, I'm sure, was saying, Dad, but I want to go to school. I, I want to be able to have a job. No, son. You're going to be like this, just like me. I had hopes once, too, but I learned. And Bart was branded. They say that on the 15th birthday, that every blind man in this day, rather than given a celebratory bat mitzvah, they were given what society, how they would identify all the beggars, they would give them a coat on their 15th birthday so that when they went out to beg, they could be identified by what they wore. So everybody knew who the beggars were. Everybody knew who the, 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 the outcasts were, and they would be forced or they would be uh, punished to have to wear a certain attire, and, and Bart was given this on his 15th birthday, and, and, and I could see in my mind that a good father, even though that they were uh, branded this way, would still start to study the scriptures, and they were a good Jewish family, and they would go to temple, and, and I believe somewhere Bart began to hear of this Old Testament prophecy, uh, maybe it was from the book of Isaiah, that there will come a Messiah. There will come the son of David who will set the captives free and open up the eyes of the blind and be able to proclaim the year of favor for the Lord. And, and I believe when Bart began to hear those scriptures, hope began to rise up inside of him. Like maybe, maybe I don't have to live like this forever. That when the Messiah comes, when my Savior comes, I'm going to be able to, 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 to see my healing manifested. I'm going to be able to, to not have to be branded this way any longer. And, and hope began to rise up in, in Bart's spirit when you hear those scriptures. But uh, I'm sure the, the father uh, said to him, no, son, it didn't happen for me. It's not going to happen for you either. You have to be so very careful not to pour cold water on other people's dreams. 
I heard a story uh, from a pastor who shared of, of this uh, experiment that they did with, uh, with these chimpanzees. And they put uh, four chimpanzees in a, uh, a cage, and they put this pole in the, in the center of the cage with all these bananas on top. And when the monkeys went in the cage, they would shoot up the, the pole to get the, the, the bananas. But the, uh, the scientists would, would spray them with cold water and knock them down off the pole, and they'd get back up, and they'd do it again, and they'd do it again, and they, until finally 30 minutes minutes later, they were just done just sitting in the corner dripping wet. And then what they did is they took one of those monkeys out and put a, a fresh monkey in. And that fresh monkey, that new monkey, didn't know any better, began to run up the pole, but they didn't have to spray that new monkey with water because the old dripping monkeys would just pull him down. And he'd try and run up, and they pull him down, and they try and run up, and they just pull him right down. And then they just all gave up. So the moral of that story is this. Don't ever try and do anything. <laughs> now, the moral of the story is this, is you cannot allow other people's experiences to determine what God says you can do. If God says you're going over that wall, you're going over that wall. If God says you can climb that pole, then climb that pole, monkey. Be a dream feeder, not a dream bleeder. That's how you have sweet dreams. You got to feed them. We're trying to get a, a Dewey to, to learn how to sleep. Like at night, at night. He's great at sleeping when I preach at church. Great at that. Maybe we should just play my sermons for him, and that'll just put him right to sleep. That's not funny. But uh, uh, it was, we were with uh, uh, our friends this past weekend in Virginia Beach, and we were asking them, uh, um, so um, how, how uh, did your children sleep when they were you know, when they were kids, and uh, my uh, cousin Kevin, uh, the husband, says, uh, oh, they slept great. They slept like eight hours every single night. And then my other cousin, Jeannian, said, what, what were you talking about? Sleeping through the night. And I, I was like, oh, my gosh. I thought Dewey was sleeping great. And Diamond's like, no, he's waking up every single hour. He's sleeping great for me because I'm in another bedroom. You know, <laughs> maybe one day I'll return, honey. One day. <laughs> you know, but we're doing this thing called the, the dream feed. And it's amazing. It's a way to get the kids to sleep through the night. And, and I, that I have to not wake the baby up, but uh, three hours after he started sleeping, I got to go in there with a bottle. And while Dewey is still sleeping, I got to feed him. And then after I'm done feeding him, I got to put him back in the bed without waking him up. This is very delicate business because if that baby wakes up, that dream will turn into a nightmare because I can't put that baby to sleep. Only Diamond knows how to do that. But this is the point, is, is that you need to be able to feed that baby while it's dreaming, or it'll wake up and won't make it through the night. The same is true with us. You have to feed your dreams. You have to feed your hopes. You can't allow other people to pour cold water on what God said he's going to do through your life. You can't allow that to happen, because that's what they did to Bart. Bart was dealing with a society that branded him as a beggar branded him as somebody that was never going to be able to overcome the branding, the outer garment that was placed on him. And I could see in my mind, Bart was going every single day now to, to go beg. Go beg with his father. That's what they would do every single day. But Bart said, no, 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 that one day, 
one day the Messiah is going to come. One day, Dad, the son of David is going to walk these streets the same way that Joshua came to tear down the walls of Jericho. My Savior is going to come. The son of David is going to come. But the father would, would tell him, shut up, Bart. Shut up. You can't say that. Because if you say that, you could be stoned for that. Just accept your reality. Just accept that this is who you are. This is God's will for your life. And, and just accept it. I learned to accept it. You'll learn to accept it too. But then there came a day when Bart, because he might have not been able to see very well, but he could hear very well. And he heard about this, this man, this God-man named Jesus who walked into the temple synagogues and rolled open the scroll of Isaiah 61 that read, for I have come to preach good news to the poor, to set the captives free, to open up the eyes of the blind and proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. And, and now that, that man Jesus said, I am he, I am that anointed one. And when Bart heard that, he leaped with joy saying, this is my moment. I know that Jesus is going to come to Jericho. I'm not going to miss my opportunity. I'm not going to miss my miracle. Jesus is going to come and help me get over the walls that I've been facing my entire life. And those walls can be so demoralizing. And, and, and yet so often we are learned or tried to train to just accept those limitations, accept those walls that we're facing. But Bart had hope. Then one day, there Jesus came. It says verse 17, 47. When they came to Jericho, as Jesus and his disciples together with a large crowd were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. This was a big day for Bart and for his father because all the, the, the Jews and all the, the uh, uh, people were coming to Passover in Jerusalem and they had to go through Jericho. And this was a big day to make money. This was a big day where they could be able to, to get a lot of, a lot of alms to, from, from those that were walking through the city. But Bart did not come to make money that day. Bart came for something else. Bart came for something greater. The same thing that when John and Peter walked by the lame beggar and said, silver and gold I have none, but what I do have I give to you. Get up and walk. That is what Bart was believing God for. And I, I can see in my mind the father saying, just don't talk about any of that son of David stuff. You're going to get us both killed. You're going to get us stoned. But there comes a moment where you have to stand up for what you believe. Stop allowing other people to shut you up and, and, and tell you, you can't say the name of Jesus. You need to be more politically correct. You can't make that pronouncement of faith. You might offend somebody. But there are moments where you need to stand up and say, I have a Savior. His name is Jesus. And he loves me with an everlasting love. And he loves you too with that same love. We can't allow people to just shut us up. That's what the world wants to do. Just shut us up. Just go in a corner behind those walls and just be like everybody else and don't you dare speak up for what you believe in because you, you may hurt somebody's feelings. No, I may save them. I may be able to have the key to their freedom, the key to help them get over their walls and that's what Bart was believing for. And so here comes Jesus walking right by. And when Jesus came by, he saw Bart standing there. And Bart began to scream out, Son of David, Jesus, have mercy on me. Crowds gathered. 
See, it's about persistent, consistent, unwavering faith that you need to get over your walls. What, what walls are you facing? Because we all have them. Some of them are inherited. Some of them you had nothing to do with. You were just born that way. You were just born into that family. And, and a lot of us, I, I feel like financial walls are, are a real big one. How do you expect me to make it in New Jersey and own my own home making $15 an hour? I, I mean, th those are real walls. And, and it's been two years now, and, and I don't feel like I'm ever going to get over this wall every single month. I'm stressed out. This is a real issue, and, and I'm fighting it. I'm facing it, and, 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 and I, I haven't seen my child in years. We went through one argument, and I feel like I'm never going to be able to have a relationship with them ever again. Maybe you are behind the walls of a mistake that you made when you were young, and you are branded as that person. That you, you made a mistake 20 years ago, and now people have branded you by your mistakes. I love it how they call him Blind Bartimaeus. Imagine if they called you, you know, Cheating Tom, you know, Prideful Pete, you know, Crazy Cynthia. You know, I mean, I mean but that's what they were doing to Bart, branding him by his weakness, and the world will try and do the same thing to you. They want to put you behind a wall, label you, brand you with an with, with, with a identity. This is who you are. This coat represents who you are. And nothing is ever going to change that. That's what we all face. That is our reality. You're a single mother. Father wants nothing to do with the children. You expect those kids to be raised and be prosperous, they're going to be in a prison. They're going to be addicted. You, you think just because uh, you, you come to church that anything is actually going to change in your life, you're a hypocrite when you go home and these voices begin to brand you. I know what you were watching. I know who you really are. And, and you just get behind that wall and, and, and you don't make too much noise, Bart. You just accept your reality. And, and Bart began to cry out, no, I need a new reality. I need a savior. I need a miracle. Son of David, have mercy on me. And then they said to him, shut up, Bart, verse 48. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more. I love that. You're not going to shut me up. You tell me to be quiet, I'll just proclaim Jesus even louder. I'll believe any more. I'm not going to let you pour water on my hopes and on my dreams. Because that's what we face. We not only have these walls that we deal with, but even as we try and better ourselves, we have stumbling blocks that come all the time. You never dealt with a stumbling block? You started it to get ahead, and then there it happened again. There it, I mean, look at Bart. Bart had to deal with a stumbling block of hurt. You never had to deal with a stumbling block of hurt where, where you thought God was going to be able to save your, your, your mother. She was sick, and then she died. And, and how could I ever believe God for a miracle again when, when this happened in my life? I'm so hurt. This stumbling block is, is burying me. And, 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 I, and I'm so hurt by, by the world. And they have branded me as an outcast. They've, 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 they've 
showed injustice to me, and I've been hurt by society. You think Bart wasn't hurt by Jericho, by branding him as a blind beggar? Wasn't hurt by his own father telling him to accept your reality? Wasn't even maybe hurt by God for allowing him to be born with this handicap? Oh, Bart had to deal with the stumbling block of hurt. And so will you. Every day you'll have moments where you have a decision whether you're gonna stay hurt and be buried by hurt or maybe if it's not hurt, it's probably maybe a handicap. You ever dealt with a handicap before? I mean, you were born maybe a little different. You were born and, and people told you you had a learning disability. You were born and, and people told you that you had a dysfunction in your physical body, that you're not gonna be like everybody else, that you're always gonna be limited. Maybe your child was born with, with a learning disability and the doctors told you that that child is never gonna be able to be valedictorian of that class, that you're born different. That child is, is, is born with, with, with a handicap and this handicap is, is a stumbling block for you. You're never gonna get over that wall. You're never gonna be able to, to see your hopes and your dreams come to pass. That's what they told Bart. You're a blind beggar. This is who you are. Don't ever try and change what God created you to be. Oh, God. Anyone ever said that one? Maybe this is just who God created me to be. Blind beggar. Rest of my life. If it wasn't a physical handicap, maybe it's handicap of an addiction that you faced in your past. And every time you feel that anxiety and that stress coming on you, you're reminded that's who I am. I'm an addict. And it's just a matter of time before I go back and, and I slip up. And it's just a matter of time before I get caught. It's just a matter of time. And, and that, that handicap, maybe it's the handicap of pride that you have. Pride is a big handicap where, where you think that it's all about you and how you could get the glory and how you have to step on other people in order to get ahead. But the Bible says that, that pride comes before the, that's right, pride is a stumbling block. If it's not the handicap, maybe it's the stumbling block of the haters. That's a big one. Bart had some haters, didn't he? What did it say? It, it said they rebuked him, told him to shut up. You ever have any haters in your life? Tell you to shut up. Don't talk that Jesus stuff. BT Dub, I just want to say this. Don't confuse haters with helpers. Because so many people call everyone that disagrees with them a hater. Anyone that ever challenges you, you're a hater, you're hating on me. No, I'm trying to help you, bro. Stop getting drunk and hooking up with chicks. I'm not hating on your game. You need a new game. Are you with me? Just because somebody disagrees with you doesn't make them a hater. They may be the greatest helper you could ever have. Listen to them. You need to be able to have a mentor that could challenge you, that could help you. You can't figure out this life on your own. That's why we have life groups, so that we could have life speakers that could help us and challenge us. And, and sometimes we get it the other way around. We think that, that the ones that are helping us Oh, you're helping me. That person is actually a hater. 
because all they want to do is comfort you in your dysfunction and keep you stuck and keep you limited and and keep you hurt and keep you uh, mentally just broken all the time. You need someone that could challenge you to get up above your own limitations so that you can see what God can do through you. All these hurts and handicaps and and haters just, just, just coming against you, coming against me. Every day we deal with these things. They're, they're thrown at us. Every Monday, they're thrown at us. These, these voices, these moments that want to bury us. There's this uh, preacher story that I might have told maybe like five years ago, but it's, it's one of my favorites. It's uh, a story about a farmer. And this uh, farmer had his favorite horse. And his favorite horse was out in the field one day and fell in this dry well, this big dry pit. And when the horse fell in this pit, it, it broke the farmer's heart because this was his favorite horse and he didn't have the money to be able to lift him up out of the, 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 the pit. Uh, he, he wasn't financially stable to do that. So he decided just to give him a merciful death and, and bury him in the pit that he fell. And so the farmer took piles of dirt and began to shovel it into this dry well and and sorry I'm so sorry fella and he starts just shoveling all the dirt into the well and little by little the farmer didn't see but the horse was what was the dirt would hit him and he would kind of shake it off and then start stomping on it and, and turning what was thrown on him into a foundation and he would throw more dirt on him, and the horse would do it again, and do it again, and do it again, until finally the farmer looked down, and, and, and he was about halfway up the, 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 the well, and then the farmer got excited and started throwing more dirt, and the, the horse would shake off the dirt and step on it, and shake off the dirt and step on it, until finally he had so much dirt underneath his feet that he was able to walk right out of the well that he fell into. And that, that is a powerful metaphor for how you respond to what is thrown at you. Because dirt is going to be thrown at you. You can't change it. Hurts are going to come. You're going to have some handicaps in your life, some weaknesses. You're going to have haters. But it is your response to when those people come against you, when those things come against you. Because these can either be stumbling blocks or they could be stepping stones for you in your life. Because a hurt can be a great step stone that, you know what, I may be hurt, but I know the healer. I may be hurt, but I know God is still in control. I may not understand everything, but I believe that if I take my hurts to the healer, that he will make a way where there is no way. This isn't a stumbling block. This is a stepping stone. And every handicap that I have, all it does is shines the glory to God even brighter because it is not me and my giftings and my talents, but in spite of my handicap. God can still use me so that his glory can shine through me. His strength, the Bible says, is made perfect in my weakness. Or, or, or in other words, my handicaps are made perfect in his strength. That I may have a handicap, but it's not about what I could do. It's about what Christ can do through me. So I might have some weaknesses in my life, but that's not going to bury me. That's just going to come become a stepping stone for me in my life. I hope I'm preaching to some this morning with my air traffic control microphone delivering the Holy Spirit to your thirsty heart this morning. Maybe it's the, the haters. Haters are going to come. 
They're going to come. They're going to talk about you. They're going to write things about you on social media. But you know what? These haters, you need to write thank you letters to them. You need to get out a pen and start writing thank you so much for hating me and saying that about me. It just made me realize how blessed I really am. Because if I got haters, I must be so blessed in my life that you would take the time to talk about me so very much. In fact, the haters are the ones that could prepare propel you to your destiny and become a stepping stone for Christ to do wonders in your life. And that is the moment, stay with me now, that is the moment when something amazing happened for Bart. Because Bart had the hurts, Bart had the handicaps, Bart had the haters. But when he heard that Jesus was coming, he didn't let any of these stop him. He said, they're going to become my stepping stones to get over the walls of Jericho in my life. And when Jesus was passing by, he cried all the louder. And then all of a sudden, Jesus heard that cry. See, there was a cry of a beggar, and then there was a cry for a savior. And the world wants you to know the beggar's cry, but the world doesn't want you to know the cry for a savior. There was a cry that could stop Jesus in his tracks. You read it. When Jesus heard that cry, he stopped and said, who is that? And then all of a sudden, the haters came, became uh, motivators for him because the haters realized that his cry is actually producing a result. Now they said, Bart, cheer up. He's calling you. He's calling your name, Bart. And then in that moment, Bart still couldn't see, still was blind, but that didn't stop him from stepping out in faith to receive his miracle. And then in that moment, he didn't just get up and go. He he did something in the supernatural that was so powerful. He said, I'm not going to go with my beggar's cloak on anymore. Before I see the miracle, I have to believe it in my heart. And he took that cloak that they tried to brand him with that represented who he used to be. I'm not a beggar any longer. I am a son. I am a daughter of the Most High. This is not who I am. Threw his cloak aside, and I believe that was the moment when he threw the branding aside and used his hurts, his handicaps, and the haters, not as stumbling blocks, but stepping stones for him to get over the wall. Because I can't do this. I couldn't do that without those stepping stones. I can't do that. And you can't either. But when you say those haters, those handicaps, those hurts aren't meant to bury me, but they are going to elevate me up above my own limitations. That's when you could be catapulted over the walls of Jericho in your life. I hope you're clapping for the Holy Spirit and not the fact that I jumped a foot. Really not that impressive. Though I have been practicing all week. So what is it for you that is holding you back? Because this is what happened in the rest of the story. So powerful. It says, verse 50, throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you, Bart? The blind man said, rabbi, but he used a different word. He said, rabboni. Rabbi is the teacher. But what Bart said, he said, rabboni, which means my teacher. He personalized it. You're not just a savior. You're my savior. You're not just a teacher. You're my teacher. You're my master. Sometimes you have to personalize it. He's my savior. And then 
Verse 52, go, Jesus said, your faith has healed you. And immediately he received what he was looking for. He received his sight, but he didn't go back and pick up his cloak. He didn't go back home. He didn't go back to the haters. This is what it says he did. He followed Jesus along the road. Because see, when you go back the same way, you could expect the same result. But God could do the same thing for you this morning. Where you could go back home a different way. With a different mindset, a different attitude. You could go back realizing that all the hurts, all the handicaps, all the haters aren't going to bury me. But they are going to build me. Amen. Amen. Let's bow our heads right now. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your presence in this service, Lord. Father, I pray this morning will be a moment just like it was for blind Bartimaeus. A moment where we cry out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. I'm broken. I got issues. I, I, I've been a hypocrite at times, and, and man, I talk a good game, but but deep down, I am so broken, and I, I got so many handicaps inside of me, God. But have mercy on me. I believe that you're my Savior. I believe that you're the same God that, that spoke to Bard as you are today. And that you're going to strengthen me to get up over every single wall that this world has tried and put me behind. Try and label me and brand me. I'm pulling that cloak off this morning. I am who you say I am. I am a success. I am. God, I'm not a, I'm not a failure. I'm a, I'm a success. And even though I, I have a lot of failures, I've failed with my kids at times. I've failed in my marriage at times. I, I, I've messed up job after job, but I'm not going to let them label me and brand me as a failure. I I believe that you have put giftings inside of me that could turn me into a success. I'm not who the haters say I am. I am a child of God. I'm not going to let my past define my future. I'm going to get over it. Get over what? Get over the hurt. Get over the handicaps, the weaknesses. And get over the haters. Because they may not go anywhere. But I'm going to get over them. If you're in here this morning and you want to have a relationship with this Jesus. You've known religion. You've come to church. You've maybe even read the Bible once or twice. But you know that you're a sinner in need of a savior. That you need that relationship with, with one who could help you up above your own limitations. You need forgiveness. You've made so many mistakes. I want you to know you don't have to feel guilty any longer. You don't have to feel the shame any longer. That through what Jesus did on the cross can allow you to hit the reset button in your life. And you can become a new creation. Sins forgiven. 
with a new destiny in front of you. If that's you, I just want you to just say this prayer with me. Actually, let's all say this together. Dear Jesus, I thank you for forgiveness, for calling my name, dying for me. I'm sorry for all the areas I failed, all my sins, all my shortcomings, all my weaknesses. Thank you for overcoming them for me. I'm sorry. I'm moving forward. I need forgiveness. Come in my heart and change me from the inside out. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Give the Lord a big hand clap.